0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise and the are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. amen. Beautiful spirit of, of worship in the house of God. Amen. Didn't they do such a wonderful job? Amen. They, can we give our youth a hand? In, amen. 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 This is one of the greatest group of young people you'll ever meet. Amen. And I am so proud of them for what they're doing. Amen. God is truly doing wonderful things in their lives. Amen. And you know what? We all kind of wander away and wander here, there, to and fro when we're younger. At least I did. Anybody else? Amen. But they're here serving God. Amen. They could be a million other places, but they're in the house of God, worshiping him and magnifying him. Amen. Amen. I give honor tonight to each and every one of you. Don't that other microphone if you would. Amen. To all of our, all of the ministry in the house of God. Praise the Lord. A little better. Amen. Amen. For all of the ministers. Amen. I we have a ton of ministry in this church. Amen. I if you're a preacher of the word of God, why don't you just wave your hand? Oh, man. Look here. Amen. God has blessed this congregation. Amen. Yes, he has. Amen. We have a big group, I believe, from the Ho- Pentecostals of Hopkinsville. Amen. Glad that they're with us tonight. We give them honor. Amen. We honor their pastor. Amen. Brother Barnett. Amen. It's so good to hear from Brother Frias. Amen. This past week. Amen. There's only one Brother Frias, and that's a shame. Amen. I wish we had about ten more of him. Amen. He is just one of the most amazing people. Amen. And I know they appreciate him. Amen. But if you would stand this evening, amen, for the Word of God, amen. I feel like preaching just for a little while, if that's okay, amen. Will y'all preach with me? Amen. I told my wife, I saw a video the other day. Um, I think there's a Guinness Book of World Records for the longest sermon of somewhere north of 57 hours. And I've always wanted to have a Guinness Book of World Records. Um, but we'll try not to do that tonight. Amen. Maybe some other night. Amen. We'll do one of those lock-in things and do it that way. Amen. But it is always an honor and a joy to minister the Word of God. Amen. I come to this pulpit humbled with a heavy heart tonight. Amen. But I believe I have a word from the Lord. Amen. And I hope that it would change your life today. Amen. So young people, please help me preach. Listen to the words that God would have spoken tonight. Amen. And also... Amen. The elders, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Amen. And I mean that in an honorary way. Amen. Back home, back in Mississippi, we would always call them aunt and uncles. That was just, whether you were aunt or uncle or not, you, that was just a, a way of honor. So when I referred to you as the elders, it doesn't, please don't take that in any derogatory way. Amen. It's all about giving honor. Amen. The book of Genesis, the 25th chapter. Amen. While you're turning there, I give honor to my pastor. Amen. Brother Phil Cook. Amen. The best pastor in all the world. Amen. Yes, he is. Amen. I'm glad to see Brother Kevin Cook. I think he just slipped out for a second. But I'm so glad to have my uncle back. Amen. For his ministry in this assembly. For my wife. Amen. I'm thankful for her. Amen. She puts up with me, and, and I'm thankful. I'm grateful. Amen. Genesis 25, the 27th verse. We're going to read to the end of that chapter. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, And he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Everybody say Edom. Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he sware unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Turn another page if you would. Go to Genesis 27. I'm going to go to verse 38. I, mean, I have a lot of scripture tonight. We'll let you be seated in just a moment. 27 and 38 of Genesis. And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Now if you would turn to the New Testament, to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 17 says, Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. For ye know how that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing... He was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. I want to preach just for a little while with the help of the Lord. And if you'll help me, amen, I believe that God will do something great in this place. Just simply on the subject, tears, tears. Can we can we put our Bibles down and can we cry out unto the Lord and ask him to minister in this place? Lord, I love you today. I thank you for the praise and the worship that's went forth, that's invited your presence into the house of God. I thank you, God, because I know that you're in this place. I can fill you, God, with the Spirit, and I can fill you when your Word is brought forth. So, Lord, today I pray that somebody's heart would be changed, somebody's life would be forever changed. Let the Holy Ghost do some mending tonight and speak your word, God, and minister. Allow me to get out of the way and you speak every word as you would have it to be spoken tonight. Lord, change our lives forever. Let today be a memorial of a service and let today be the day that we are changed forever, that we're never the same after today. God, minister to our hearts and speak to us and let us to be ready for your return. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Just stick with me for a little while. Amen. Genesis chapter 27 declares unto us that Esau despised his birthright and was at the point of death. And he begged of his brother with tears in his eyes, sell me a morsel. Of pottage that I may sustain my, my own life. Genesis 37 and 38 declares, he declares, Father, is there no more blessing for me? He cried with a loud voice and he wept. Hebrews 12 and 17 says, For ye know how that afterward that when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully, with tears i want to preach just for a little while about tears there's an interesting power in tears there have been court cases that have been swayed and a jury may have been swayed because of some tears the tears of a prosecutor or maybe a defense attorney have altered the outcome of a case some may have been given a death penalty but but because of their tears that, that death penalty was lessened. Some jurors that said we just... Uh, some that maybe didn't have any tears may would have got the most of a, a, a judgment because they just saw no tears. They didn't see any sorrow in their decision to do wrong or though sorrow in their decision to do another way. But others may have committed the same crime and had their sentence lessened because they had sincere tears. There are power and there is power in tears. My Bible says that there is a time to weep and there is a time to laugh. There's a time to rejoice and there is a time to cry. The 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 first in 1 Samuel chapter 1 you're going to find Hannah had a desire to have a child. She prayed and she sought with the Lord until she wept sore. We need some tears on the altar of some unanswered prayers in the house of God. I and mean, then God then responded to her tears, and tears still get the attention of God today. It's because of the tears of Hannah. Of the lacking, a mother lacking promise that God gave her a son that we called his name to be Samuel. He became to be the premier prophet of the Old Testament. All because they were moved on. God was moved on by tears. And in Isaiah 38 you read about Hezekiah. Hezekiah. When he was given grave news that he was going to quickly be approaching death. But he began to cry aloud. And as the prophet of God was walking away, the word of the Lord came again to the prophet and told him to say to Hezekiah, I have heard your cry and I have seen thy tears. Behold, I'll add unto you 15 more years. Tears still get God's attention today. Tears still get prayers answered today. Tears still affect the heart of God today. There is a great power in tears. We're living in a hard generation where some parents tell their little boys you ought not to cry. Men don't cry. We we tell them just, you're not supposed to shed any tears. But I would let you know today, young men, it takes a real man to kneel on his face or kneel on his feet and cry out before the Lord with tears rolling down his face to get the attention of God. Amen. I mention of how my father has taught me to pray but most of my memories of him praying that, that shook me and made its mark on me when I was just a child was when my father would kneel down and humble himself before God and I would watch as just a little child as the tears, sincere tears would fall down his face as he would cry out to a God who he believed here heard him and a God that would continually bless him. I am thankful Thankful, I am so thankful that I saw tears coming down the face of my elders, and my pastor, and the preachers, and the men of God in my life. I heard a testimony of an elderly man that moved me. It said, "I've never seen any clearer than when I'm looking through the tears of an apostolic altar. I've never seen any clearer than when I'm looking through the tears of an apostolic altar." There's times that I have felt so far from God, young people. I felt like there was such a great distance between me and God. But oh, when I felt the brokenness, when I felt the tears begin to roll down my face and well up in my eyes. It's amazing at how fast and how close God will get to a man who is crying out unto him with sincere tears. I would say to all today, if you feel far from God tonight, you might want to find you a place at the altar and stay there until you have some tears rolling down your face. Because God responds to tears. Yes, He does. Psalms 34 and 18 says this, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. You want the Lord to come close? You want the Lord, you want him to draw near unto you? Get in the altar and allow yourself to be broken. Allow tears to fall down your face. Allow the tears to stain the carpet of the altar that's around you. If ever we needed a revival today, we need a revival of tears in our young people. We need a revival of old-fashioned crying before the Lord today. isaiah sixty six and two says, But to this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my words? There are too many dry eyes in Pentecost today, not enough brokenness, not enough godly sorrow, and not enough regret for some of the things that we still may do that God disapproves of wasn't the parable in Luke eighteen very clear when the 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 uh The one guy was on one side. He he was all dressed up. He had the garment down pat. The the Pharisee was on one side. And he was praying before everybody. Before God. Talking about how glad he was. That he does everything right. And that he don't mess up. And he pays his tithes. And he gives to the altars of God. And and he's there on the Sabbath day. And he does all that he's supposed to do. But on the other side of the road. There was a publican there. And he he was there beating his chest. And tears were rolling down his face and he was saying oh God I'm a sinner would you forgive this old sinner boy have you ever found your place there have you ever found yourself at an altar where the tears where the honesty of your heart was being ready to be born before a God and you felt as the holy (laughs) tears bring mercy tears bring grace I don't look for reasons to cry. I mean, there's some people that look for every reason to cry. I mean, some aren't really burdened, they're just just depressed. And there's a difference between the two. But there's no greater feeling in the world than when I've been in the presence of God. I love to dance, I love to run. I love to leap up and down. I love to clap and I love to sing all of the songs. And I've never felt any more close to God or in the presence of God than when I've had warm tears rolling down my face. Didn't it say that the tears of a sinning, a repenting sinner would send a thousand angels to flight? Man, what about the tears of two sinners? What about that math? Tears move and affect heaven in a great way. Psalms 126 and 5 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Revival happens because of tears. Breakthroughs come because of tears. Souls are saved because of tears. Lives are forever changed because of tears. Miracles happen because of tears. Healings take place because of tears. I'm here tonight, today, because of tears. Tears of my pastor and tears of my great-grandparents and tears of my grandparents. Tears of my parents. Tears of, of youth pastors and youth leaders. Tears of the Precious saints of God, I'm here today because of the power of tears. I believe today that Job's children were granted access into heaven because of the sacrifice and the tears laid upon the altar of Job for his children continually. Parents, don't be afraid to shed a tear for your child. As a matter of fact, you should be leading them in the tear count on your altar. It just might be that your tears are noticed by heaven and serve as a covering for them that are unable to account for themselves. I'm here tonight to tell you that if you feel far from God, you need to take your guard down and you need to allow God to minister to you until you have some earnest tears to stain your shirt in the ground around you. Let God's word touch your heart. God draws nigh to those that are of a broken spirit. Tears are a language that only God can understand. Psalms 56 and 8 declares when David wrote about being run out of Gath by Saul, when he had to flee Israel, find refuge in the hands of the Philistines. In verse 8 of of Psalms 56, he says, Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? God bottles up our tears. I don't know how he does it but he does it. They're somehow recorded in the book. Tears are so precious to him that he catches them before they hit the ground. If he sees every sparrow that falls, if he sees and he dresses the lily with so much splendor, how much more does your God care about you when you're broken and of a contrite spirit and godly sorrow hits you and tears are flowing down your face. Tears move God. Tears move God. Are you still with me? Hey Amen. I'm seeing a lot of young people today walk out of church. Young people that were here last year that are not here today. Young people that used to sing on the praise team that are no longer here, the ones that used to play the instruments, but they're no longer here. They used to be on fire for God. They used to spend every night praying with and for their youth group. They they prayed until they prayed in tongues and operated under the power of the Holy Ghost in a mighty way, but something happened. I want to tell you tonight that tears sometimes don't fix everything. There are power in tears. Life-changing power in tears. But as I'm seeing some young people and some saints, I, I thought that I would never see them fall. I feel... I feel like some of them are, are, are almost consciously making a decision to leave and come in and come out and go in and come out. They're leaving, saying, I can come back when I when I want to. They're saying, I repent when I get back, and I'll recover when I get back, and I'll make things right when I get back into the house of the Lord. But but they still make a decision to walk out. God wants you to know tonight, before you walk out those doors, tears. Don't always fix everything. We've seen so many prodigals come home and I'll be the first to rejoice with you. We've we wept with them in the altars. We've held their hands as, and when they couldn't even raise them up themselves, we've watched as forgiveness was poured out upon them. But I'm afraid that there's some young people who have seen these precious prodigals return and they feel like they can leave and return just like so-and-so did. I'll leave and I'll come back and I'll find mercy just like brother and sister so-and-so did. Please know tonight, no tonight it's not my intention to make anybody feel bad about some issues that you have overcome or some situations that you have faced and got over. If you're one of those that have left and have come back, I thank God for you. And I I don't wish to hurt you in any way tonight. I, I'm not trying to make you feel any less than what God has restored you to be because God is fully capable of restoration. But if you you are grateful for what God has done for you and the chances that he has given you. You should be on your feet helping me preach, hoping to keep somebody else from making the same mistake that we have made. <clears throat> oh, <Jesus. clears throat> the unsung testimony of the return backsliders or tears didn't fix everything. Yes, I'm back and I'm here to stay, but tears didn't fix everything. We need to understand that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of repentance, it's a gift from God. I'm going to say that again. The Spirit of repentance is a gift from God. Nobody can be saved unless the Spirit of God first draw them. So the Spirit of repentance is a gift from God. You don't just repent whenever you want to repent. You can get in the altar and say, I'm sorry until the cows come home. But if the Spirit of repentance is not there, the Spirit of God is not a toy to play with. Repentance is a gift from God to save your soul. Romans 2 and 4, oh, despisest thou the riches and the goodness and the forbearance and the long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's by the goodness and the mercy of God that we're able to find forgiveness at the altar of repentance. So repentance is not in your hand alone. Let's ask Esau. Oh, Edom, did tears restore everything that you had lost? Were you able to recover everything that you gave away or you let go? I understand Esau, Edom, that you sought him with tears. I understand you sought him carefully, but you didn't. Did your tears, did they grant back to you everything that you gave away? There are some things that even if you come back, You won't get back. Some of you are going straight into situations of sin. I'm not talking just to young people. I'm talking to all people. You got your course set. Your your plan is set. uh, And you're planning on repenting after you do. How do you know preacher? I know because I've seen it too many times. Young people uh, had a hard time, most young people have a hard time seeing the benefits of anything that is more than just an arm arm length in front of them. Just as Esau couldn't see the importance of his birthright, so young people have a hard time understanding the benefits of a birthright. The benefits of the birthright usually come later in life. The peculiar blessing of of the firstborn usually come later on in life. And so it's harder for young people to understand that. Esau, I know you sought him with tears. I understand that you sought him carefully. But did tears give you back what you gave away? He couldn't see what was going on, what he was giving away. Because he was too focused on what he wanted right now. Sound familiar? We have young people unfortunately that are forfeiting the things and the promises of God for temporary pleasures. You're giving away the most precious thing that you will ever inherit because you choose to give over to the pleasures of sin for just a season and you choose not to wait on the Lord. I know it's quiet in here I I understand but Hebrews 11 and 25 declares unto us that sin does bring forth pleasure for a season but it also declares unto us in James 1 in 14 it says but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished brings forth death he finished by saying this do not my beloved brethren James was begging and pleading with all those who might read his writings make no mistake although the pleasures of sin may last for a moment or two that sin brings forth death make no mistake don't err about it one elder said it like this: sin will take you further than you intend to go It'll cost you more than you intend to pay, and it will keep you longer than you intend to stay. Young ladies, young men, hear me today. You'll find forgiveness at the altar of the Lord. He is merciful and He is gracious. First John declares in 1 and 9 if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have that promise of God that he will hear us, but we need to understand that sin can leave its mark on us. Sin leaves scars that oftentimes never go away. You may find forgiveness. But there are some things that when you return, you'll never receive them again. King David, a man after God's own heart, loved to sing of the praises of God. We know and can probably quote what all David could do. He he served God fearfully with his whole heart. And he had a moment of weakness, this great king. He looked out the window at a woman of beauty. And he made a mistake that sent into action an adulterous act and the murder of an existing husband because of the conception of sin. David was confronted by the prophet. We all know the story. He declared unto him all his wrongdoings of his action. David turned unto him and immediately said, I I understand. I I have done wrong. I have sinned against God. And he said, pray with me, prophet. And, And God turned the prophet around. And immediately God granted him repentance. Because that is what God does. But unfortunately, there was a son conceived out of this. And and after a few months, time passed. The son was born and he was very sickly. And David began to seek the face of God. And he sought him with many tears that God would keep the son. (laughs) But he died anyway. Later on in David's life, he wanted so desperately To be used of God. Hear me young people. A lot of times. We can't see at 14, 15, 16 year old. We, we can't see what God is going to do in our late 20s, in our 30s, in our 40s. All we can see is what we have or what we don't have right now. And so we, we kind of live life for just the things that we have right now and make decisions for things right now. But, but there was something that David didn't really understand that later on in his life he wanted so desperately to do something great for God. Listen to me young people, there will come a time in your life that you will mature spiritually and you will want to do something great for God. And if somehow we don't alter the direction of a sin path that you may take, David wanted to build a temple for God. He gathered all of the things together and he, he gathered all of the gold and all of the basins and, and everything that he would need to give to, uh, to, to give to the house of God. And he even asked the prophet. They thought it was a great idea. But when it came time, he wasn't granted the authority to do it yet because he had made a bad decision when he was younger. Later on, David's son would eventually build the temple. But there are some things we want to do for God later on in life that we won't be able to if we don't allow God or men of God to speak into our lives. This is not meant to be a tearing down message and I promise we'll take a turn here again in just a moment. This is meant to be geared towards youth for just a minute. But I want to gear myself also towards young people or towards young ladies, there are some things that are precious that you should never sacrifice for a moment of pleasure. I don't care how much He declares to you that He loves you. The cost is too great. If we don't say it, who's going to say it? If we don't declare it, who's going to declare it unto them? There's some things once you give away, you'll never, no amount of tears will ever restore them unto you. Sure, you can find forgiveness and God will use you. And I've seen it happen too many times, and I'm not saying that once you give it away, that you can never be used by God again. But what I am saying is there are some things once you give it away, no amount of sorrow, no amount of tears will bring it back. Parents, you should be backing me up. I've heard stories from young ladies that said after they gave themselves, they felt some shame. Such condemnation, they say, they knew that even though they had repented and received forgiveness that there was still no amount of tears that would bring their purity back. They said that their biggest fears was when they really found the one that they really, their, their, their one and only, their, their only love that they had to admit to them that they did not keep themselves for them. Young men, listen to me. I'm going to get quite real with you. I know the struggles young men deal with. I see many young, young people struggle with addictions to videos and pictures and sites that will haunt you for the rest of your days. I know you won't admit it now sitting where you are, but, but I would declare that there is a great majority of young people that face that same temptation of sin because it is so easily accessible All it takes is a few clicks on this and a few search words on that that will lead you down a road that you will regret for the rest of your life. Some of you have said at the altar when you feel God, you're not going to do it anymore. You're not going to do it again. You aren't going to watch it again. Some even immediately after you repent and ask God to forgive you in the back of your mind. Those images remain alive. Young men justify our sins and say that nobody knows. It's only my problem. No one else's. And we deceive ourselves and say God will forgive me and have mercy because we justify it as a better alternative. The only problem is that those images will be plastered on the walls of your mind and they will show up at the most inopportune time. They'll hang there for your whole mortal life, and some things you may receive forgiveness for. But once you choose to go down that road, you can't unsee it, you can't unwatch it. First Corinthians 6 and 18 says, Flee fornication, flee. Fornication. How how do I run from this, Brother Chris? How how do I overcome this thing? Is there some alternative source that I could do? Is there something that helps hold me accountable? Yeah, we got tools, we have resources, but the best thing you can do is flee fornication. Yeah. Every sin that a man doth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body sometimes tears young people can't fix everything i want to make sure i give you hope today i know that some are laughing right now acts 3 and 19 says repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the lord and he shall send jesus christ which before you was preached to you whom the heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. You can find forgiveness in a moment but sometimes it takes a lifetime for restoration to happen. I'm trying to save somebody from a lifetime of regret. Let Let me preach to the older generations for just a minute. I honor you tonight and I wouldn't be here today myself if it wasn't for great elders in my life. But Esau doesn't just represent lust, but it represents opposition to the brethren. He was called Edom. It doesn't just mean Red. Like the color of his hair or the color of the pottage that he sold his birthright for. It represents the one that opposed his brother Israel. You see, it started with a simple heart of how he'd done me wrong. He tricked me out of my birthright. Then it becomes a root of bitterness that springs up and desires to choke out the life of everybody around you. Hebrews 12 and 14. Still talking about Esau. Follow peace with all men in holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest many, any man fell of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And thereby many be defiled. For ye know how that afterward. When you, have, you would have inherited the blessing. You were rejected. For he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully. With tears. <clears throat> it was the Edomites. That consistently opposed the children of Israel. When they left Egypt. But it brought, but brought destruction upon them. When they were exiled by Babylon. You can read about in the book of Obadiah. It's, it's almost the, the whole judgment of the Edomites. Or the descendants of Esau. Let me read a few verses for you. Are you still with me? For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee and thou shalt be cut off forever. And in the day thou stoodest on the other side. And in the day that strangers carried away captive, his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast one of them. You were there, Esau. Your descendants were there, Esau. I know you made amends way back in the book of Genesis, but something happened. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day he became a stranger. That's where you went wrong, Esau. Neither shouldest thou rejoice over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. That's where you went wrong, Esau. Neither shouldest thou spoken proudly in the day of his distress. The Edomites were a consistent opposer of Israel. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldst not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou stood in the crossway and cut off all that did escape. Neither shouldest thou delivered up those that did remain in the day of distress. What did Esau do? When everybody was trying to get out of Dodge... When Babylon would come in and was taking all of Israel captive. There was calamity going on in the land. And people were scurrying away just trying to find a protective place. A place of refuge. A place to get out of the line of fire. Esau was there in the gate. Catching them as they come through. Selling them back to Babylon. You see Esau is more than just lust of the flesh. Esau or Edom is the pride of life. It's a matter of a strong opinion by some biblical scholars that the Edomites served a God that was referred to as cause. Q-O-S. Which they believed, they believed was the same God as Yahweh because they didn't want to change gods completely. But they referred to him and thought that this God cause would manifest manifest himself in the form of a storm they were completely content with serving a variation of what seemed like godliness but would subvert the blessings of God toward their brethren the Edomites were like a storm they would be fine one moment everything would be going grand one moment All would be great and all at once without warning the skies would grow dark. The wind would begin to blow and all of a sudden here come Edom. You could really put your finger on the reason why. But the effects of the storm was felt by all those around. That's what the opposition of a brother or a sister feels like. You try to plan, but somehow your plan fails because of the actions of those that are closest to you. You, you want to get along and and do and you do for a while, but then all of a sudden the tide changes and the tide turns and the clouds shift and, and you're left picking up the pieces wondering why it had to be this way. So Esau, it's more than just enticing lust, but it's the root of bitterness that springs up and consumes all that are around you. I want to warn some today, turn away from opposing your brethren. Turn away from those from, from opposing your brethren, because there's a road that you can go down. There's a road that you can travel, no matter if you decide you're going to turn around halfway. You may find forgiveness when you get back. But your brother or your sister will be scarred by the impacts of the battles and the wounds that you gave and, and you sustained and they sustained and they may leave lasting scars that may serve as a reminder all the remaining days of your life. You may travel that road with the intention on turning back, turning around eventually, but tears won't fix everything. Tears may bring you forgiveness and repentance, but even carefully sought after forgiveness with bitter tears may not restore unto you all that you've lost. The untold story, the unsung song of every backslider is tears didn't fix everything. I don't believe it's been an accident that tongues and interpretation. And the messages from heaven have been so marinated with a cry of repentance and reconciliation. But it's because God is on the verge of splitting the sky for the appearing and the taking away of his bride. Oh, yes, he is. I'm closing. I know I've probably gone too long. God doesn't want any scar to mark you. He don't want you wounded. He don't want you maimed. He don't want you tortoise-treads. Could the musicians come? The plain and simple fact is sin leaves scars. It was Jesus Christ that took the punishment for you and my sins. He became sin who knew no sin. And those lasting scars were seen. And they were mounted by his disciples. They placed their hands in those nail prints. And ran their fist in his side. They looked upon the crown of his head. As they, uh, they observed the crown of thorns that were placed there. They, were, they, they served a dual purpose. One was so that their faith might be Restored. For Thomas's sake. And, and so that they would know that he was alive. And he wasn't just some spirit. But I believe there is another unsung reason for the scars. They served as a reminder. They served as a reminder that sin leaves scars. That the scars of sin last longer than you ever think they can. Scars of sin lasted on him even after resurrection of Jesus Christ. They served as a reminder of the consequences and the effect of sin in our lives. But there is hope today. There's hope today. There's hope today. What must I do, preacher? Turn away. Come back home. Stop what you're doing. Turn around. Get back to the Father's house. Repent. What's the job of the church? Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye would your spiritual restore and one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Could we all stand in the house of the Lord? It's the job of the church to help restore those that have fallen. But we must expand every effort in order to detour the ones who haven't fallen yet. Forgive me tonight for reaching for the little ones. Forgive me for reaching for the ones that haven't been scarred or marked by sin. But I want to tell you today, you don't have to live a life of regret. Wishing that you had never made that deal to give it away. Tears work wonders. These altars are open. I wish everybody tonight could find a place. Kneel down and turn it over to Him. Allow the tears to wash away the condemnation. But make a commitment to God. Let this be the day that you'd redirect yourself To God. Some of the ones that have been restored in this place. Why don't you find yourself around some of these young people that are in the altar. Why don't you pray with those that need restored. God honors tears. God honors your sorrow and your brokenness. What we need tonight is true repentance in the house of God. He will hear you tonight.